to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. Tonight is session number 272, and tonight we are going to go backwards, a little bit backwards. Um, that is, we kind of skipped over Aragorn's foretelling, which obviously we're not going to skip over, because um, I wanted to finish kind of covering the rest of that conversation. So we're going to go back, so we're going to go back and look at that foretelling, and then, if we have time, we're going to look forward uh, to Aragorn's Interruption. So Aragorn is going to be our star here this evening, and we will uh, we'll see. No, we're not going, we're not quite going back to Weathertop. No, 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 not quite, Rin. Um, but um, anyway, okay. Uh, but first, um, I wanted to let you guys know that this Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, I'm going to do a little summer update from Signum University. we got some big stuff happening at Signum University uh, that I want to talk about um, and uh, tell you how you guys can help us because we do need help uh, here as we come up to this big milestone that we are approaching here at long, long long last. So uh, some fun things to tell you about, so I hope that you will join me. Um, I'm going to be broadcasting it on my regular broadcast channels. Originally I was going to do a Zoom meeting, but then I was like, actually, no, that's not what I want to do. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I don't want to do a Zoom meeting. I want to do just a broadcast like this. So just come to any of our normal broadcast channels. You can come to our Twitch. You can come to our YouTube. Um, and you can uh, uh, and you can join in uh, with my broadcast on. So that's going to be Thursday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So for me, unusually early. Um, and uh, so that'll be again 8 p.m. It's, it's not going to be a, a very very long um, uh, session, but um, but anyway. But I wanted to uh, invite you uh, to come along for that. So um, again, 8 p.m. Eastern on this coming Thursday, so two days from today, and we'll do a little bit of uh, a little bit of an update um, about what is going on, um, what is going on at Signum these days. Um, you'll go later, yeah. Um, well, unusually early for me. Uh, I mean, I normally start 10, 1030, so, um, so yeah, yeah. No, Bruinier, it's not gonna really be 830, probably. Um, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I, I uh, I should be able to. The reason I, I told you guys the reason I'm always starting late. The reason I'm always starting late is that I've been uh, I've been putting people to bed before class, and people being put to bed are super unpredictable, right? As anybody knows, who's put anybody to bed? Um, so, <laughs> so that's that's always that's why we start late, and that's uh, that's why I'm often I am so very often delayed. Um, but uh, anyway, so there's gonna. Um, there will, of course, be recordings of it available. If you can't make it live at 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, um, there will be you'll be able to get the recordings on Twitch or YouTube um, afterwards. So, no big deal. But I did want to I did want to let you know. Um, all right, <laughs> oh, Matt, you've got your sitting with you. Yeah. Um, well, of course, um, I've um, I've long since uh, shifted from putting my children to bed to putting my wife to bed <laughs> she's the only one who goes to bed early these days um my uh 
my youngest is now uh, is now 15 and st uh, keeps similar hours to me during the summertime. So, um, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, let us get back into uh, into Aragorn's words here. All right. So, reading a little bit back here just to, to get the context of it, right? Of course not, said Gandalf. Who would? That is, um, we don't want to go there even once. But the question is, who will follow me if I lead you there? I will, said Gimli eagerly. I will, said Aragorn heavily. You followed my lead almost to disaster in the snow and have said no word of blame. I will follow your lead now, if this last warning does not move you. It is not of the ring, nor of us others that I am thinking now, but of you, Gandalf. And I say to you, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware. And then we get Boromir's, I will not go. Not unless the vote of the whole company is against me. And that's where we spent most of our time um, uh, last time. Yes, Beamant Matthias is 15 already. My older son, Nicholas, who was four, I think, when I started my podcast, is now 20 and starting his junior year of college. So there you are. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. <laughs> kind of crazy. Um, uh, and uh, uh, Nicholas, who, you know, some of you met when he was, you know, in elementary school, um, is uh, about to get his uh, commercial pilot's rating <laughs> within a couple months here. <laughs> um, anyway, okay. Um, so Aragorn. Now, um, notice his transition into this, right? And I think it's an important. There's 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 some really important cues that we get from Aragorn here. Um, Aragorn begins by saying, "I will," right? An unequivocal, "I will," not "I'd really rather not," but you know, if you twist my arm or, or whatever, I will. And it's interesting that he echoes the very eager <laughs> response of Gimli, right? Gimli's all in. Gimli's all in. He's, he does not require too much um, convincing. And we all, we all know why, right? We all know why. Um, Aragorn, <clears throat> uh, I think that the fact that Aragorn echoes Gimli's eager statement here is designed to be like, he, like Aragorn is being as unequivocal as Gimli in his support of Gandalf. Right? And, but unlike Gimli, he goes on to explain. Gimli doesn't really need to explain. Aragorn goes on to explain, right? And where Aragorn goes is, you followed my lead almost a disaster in the snow and have said no word of blame, right? I, you know, I'm going to follow you. I will follow your lead now. I will follow your lead now. You followed me. We had that discussion, which presumably they still don't know that Frodo overheard, right? Frodo overheard their discussion in which Aragorn was urging that they not go to Moria, that they not even mention Moria until they had tried everything else. And Gandalf reluctantly agreed with that. Um, uh, Aragorn says that Gandalf has said no word of blame. Um, I think that's probably technically true. I think he's, uh, I think he's, he's, uh, he has said a couple times that, like, he didn't think it would work. But whatever. It's fine. He certainly didn't reproach Aragorn or make Aragorn feel bad or suggest that Aragorn was a bad leader or a, a bad guide or, or whatever. Right. 
Um, yeah. Um, Bjorning, you're right. Um, and yes, Gandalf did only oppose Aragorn in private, chiefly. Yes, yes. Um, you're right that we skipped over the adverb. I will, said Aragorn, heavily. Right? Aragorn says the I will heavily, where Gimli said it eagerly. Right? Um, what does the heavily convey there? We could take it to convey reluctance, as you suggested. Um, I don't... I mean, th there is reluctance there, right? I mean, it's certainly in contrast with Gimli, right? Gimli is raring to go, Aragorn not raring to go, right? But, but heavily, I think, heavily suggests to me... Well, I mean, Aragorn is weighed down by saying this, right? I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, more grim than reluctant. Exactly. I agree. It's, I don't read him saying it heavily as saying, uh, us supposed to re get from that, that he's saying that he will all the while suggesting that he really, really doesn't want to. Like, I don't think Aragorn's being passive aggressive here or something like that, right? Um, uh, I think that he is, um, this is a weighty decision. He, I mean, as he's going to go on to say, if they do this, this is going to be a big deal. He is taking a significant step that he had hoped to avoid. Um, I mean, those are the, that, that seems clear from this, um, um, from this uh, sort of context here. Um, and from what we heard of him before, right? Um, I think that we, it would be, it would seem to me fair to say that he feels dread, which is not quite the same as reluctance, right? I mean, we know he doesn't want to go. Of course he doesn't want to go. He's just said he didn't want to go. Um, but, um, but again, I don't think it's reluctance that he's expressing here. I do think he feels dread. Um, he was expressing dread uh, in the private conversation with Gandalf earlier on, and now he does so again, right? Um, he's not eager. He's not excited. Um, he is willing. And his willingness... In saying to Gandalf, you followed my lead... I will follow your lead now, right? As a reference to their earlier conversation, he said, I urge that it not even be mentioned at least until the other way has been tried. Like Basically, he's saying, like, that is the... Let's make that... Let's agree to make Moria the absolutely last option, right? But now they've come to their last option, right? I will follow your lead now. Um... Because there's more to it than that. It's not just like, well, since we have no choice, I guess we're going that way, right? Um, there's more to it than that. Gandalf wanted to go this way all along. What he's saying here is, I can now see that you were right. I can now see that you were right. You wanted to go this way all along. We've ended up having to go this way. It would have been better for us to just... I get it, it was almost a disaster to try to avoid it. Like, we we tried to avoid it. That kind of seemed like, a, again, not a great idea, but a better idea 
than going to Moria, right? So, um, but yet it was almost a disaster. And you, Gandalf, you wanted to go this way all along. So I will follow your lead. Again, not just, I agree to go the only way we can possibly go, but I'm going to grumble about it or something like that, right? I will follow you now. I will follow your lead now. And again, that seems to me to suggest at least a little bit of, in retrospect, I should have followed your lead in the first place. But he segues, that's where he interrupts himself, right? If this last warning does not move you, it is not of the ring, nor of us others that I am thinking now, but of you, Gandalf. And I say to you, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware. Aragorn. Now, the big question, and this is a big question that came up several weeks ago when we were looking at their private conversation. When Aragorn is feeling so much dread that it shocks Frodo to hear him refer to it, right? The sort of desperation with which he begs Gandalf, not even to mention Moria to the others, until the path over the mountains has been tried. Um, the question is, did he have this presentiment in his mind or in his heart then? And he's just either coming out with it now or just articulating it now. Um, was his previous dread, his previous unwillingness to go into Moria, was that due to, did he have a premonition, perhaps even a vague premonition at the time. Perhaps it was still vague. Um, all right, so, so there, I can think about the three possibilities, right? One possibility is that um, he had this presentiment all along, like pr presentiment of Gandalf's death or whatever, right? And he just didn't want to mention it. He was just hoping to avoid it. And so he didn't bring it up before, but he's going to finally bring it up now. The second possibility is that he had some kind of presentiment but he wasn't sure what it was. Like, it was still vague. It was just like, no, no, I've got a, I got a bad feeling about this. Right? And only now does it come into clarity. It is not of the ring, nor of us others, but of you, Gandalf. The third option is that this foretelling comes upon him suddenly right now. That the, the dread and the resistance that he had before to going to Moria was simply due to his very bad experience there, right? And to his assessment of the situation. Like, I've been to Moria. It was bad. I don't want to go back. I think it's a really bad idea, right? Hrothgar, exactly. So was it just his, his, his PTSD before, right? So it's just his PTSD before. And now, now that he's reconciled himself to going and that he's heavily agreeing to go in this moment... In this moment when he is, like, conquering his dread and conquering his own fear of Moria, this foretelling comes upon him. Right. Um, that's... Um, so those seem to me to be the three options of how we can, how we can read this. Um, I, of the three, the one that I think 
the one that seems to me least likely is option number one, that Aragorn had a specific foretelling about Gandalf in mind all along and that he just didn't want to talk about it. I, I, I think he would have raised it before. Um, I think that he would have said so back in their earlier debate. It's clear. Now, of course, they did talk for a while after Frodo stopped hearing their conversation, so we don't know what was said or what wasn't said during their subsequent conversation. Um, remember when they come back from their debate and Frodo doesn't know who won and then is glad to find that Aragorn won the debate, right? Um, so it is it is possible um, that they talked about it then, but I don't think so. The way he says this here, he is, and I say to you, like, he's not told him that before, right? It's, I think it's very clear from this passage that he has never made this prediction, never made this foretelling, never uttered this foretelling to Gandalf prior to this. And I have a hard time believing that he wouldn't do it, that he would just withhold that information. Like, that seems to me very, very unlikely, right? Um, so that leaves me with the last two. Did he have a vague premonition, which is now resolving? Or is this premonition sort of that's coming upon him sort of suddenly? Um, and I'm not really sure. But I lean towards the latter, mostly because that seems to be the language. Um, that seems to be the way that foretellings tend to happen. Um, most of the time somebody makes a foretelling in Tolkien, it seems to come upon them in that moment. Like that's, that's kind of normal. Um, that, that's, that's sort of the default. Um, that's the default that I expect based on the previous patterns. And when I ask myself, does that fit here? It seems like it does. Um, the little pause, I will follow your lead now if this last warning does not move you. Um, the way that he builds up to this suggests um, that this is kind of emerging at the moment. It is not of the ring, nor of, us, nor of us others that I am thinking now, but of you, Gandalf. And I say to you, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware. Um, <clears throat> that's... Um, yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing. Um, yes, Arnold says if we cheat with the appendices, we know that Aragorn has had sudden foretellings before, um, with Elrond discussing his, uh, i.e., with Elrond discussing his love of Arwen. Yeah, no, exactly, and this is exactly how um, how things how things go. Remember when like Thinrod makes his foretelling um, about like he foretells his own death, right? Um, and we're told that, like, before that moment, such grim thoughts, you know, had not occurred to him. Like, the, narr the narrator of the Silmarillion tells us explicitly in that moment that the foretelling was sudden, right? Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and yes, Cal Elros, I think that's a really good observation. Um, Aragorn phrases this in a way... Um, that that makes it sound like he has experience with foresight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he uh, he knows how to package this, right? He works through it. You can hear him working through it first. It is not of the ring, nor of us others that I am thinking, but of you, 
Gandalf. It's like he's just realizing this in that moment, right? Um, and perhaps this is one of the reasons why he's agreeing heavily. Like, he knows. He knows this must happen. And he knows that if it must happen, he darn well should agree to prevent dissension in the company and undermining Gandalf. Um, but is he still heavy? Because he has... There's, like, in this moment, like, as he is agreeing, he's getting this bad feeling about this, right? Um, and then he he talks it through. It is not of the ring, nor of us others that I am thinking now, but of you, Gandalf. Yeah, that's the feeling that I have. I have a heavy feeling about you. And I say to you, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware. Yes. Yes. Um... Frumius Bujum, yeah, I'm not sure. So as he's emphasizing the word now, I will follow your lead now. I mean, that, of course, seems to connect to allude back directly to the, the debate earlier, you know, that Frodo overheard. But I agree. <laughs> the word now is what transitions into um, his his foretelling. Oh, the next one, the next now. Uh, oh, oh, the right that I'm thinking. Um, it's not of us that I'm thinking now, but of you again. Yeah, yeah. Right. Gotcha. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, ooh, Ilmenio, great question. Great question. Hang on just a second on that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, right, Bjorning, thinking along the same lines. Both of them are asking about reactions to this statement. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to the lack of reaction from anybody on, on this, right? But, um, uh, yes. Right, it is not of the ring nor of us others that I am thinking now. Yes, yes, okay. I agree. What he by using the word now there, he's explicitly saying the hesitation I have right now, right, like the heaviness I am feeling right now, is about you. It's not that I think this is the wrong way to go. I I concede this is clearly where we have to go now. Um, so I'm not worried about that this is the wrong thing to do with a ring. I'm not worried it's going to get the rest of us killed. It's you. It's you. And I say to you, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware. Now, um, it's interesting. The actual prediction. He doesn't make a prediction. It's a warning, right? He warns him. He doesn't say, if you pass the doors of Moria, you shall certainly die. That would have been a, you know, snappier foretelling, to be sure, right? It's a, it's a, it's a very, it's, it is super vague, Jackie, absolutely. Totally gets a super vague foretelling. All he's telling Gandalf is, I've got a bad feeling about this for you, for you personally. If you pass the doors of Moria, beware. Now, I agree that foretellings are notoriously vague. <laughs> Sir, Sphinx says, no, you shall not pass. <laughs> right, right. Um, 
Oh, so uh, uh, Jado has asked, does uh, Aragorn know that Gandalf can die? Um, presumably. Gandalf sure knows. Gandalf thought he was going to die in The Hobbit. We'll come back to that soon. Um, Gandalf thought he was going to die in The Hobbit. He thought the wolves were going to eat him. And the fire was going to burn him. I mean, in the pine trees. Like in the burning pine trees. Gandalf was ready to die. He thought he was going to die. If the eagles hadn't shown up, Gandalf would have died. Um... Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly, Calaros. If uh, if Aragorn had read The Hobbit, he would know. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. No, we know he read The Hobbit. We we know he read The Hobbit because he he uh, accused Bilbo of lying in it, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, anyway, okay. Um, he he doesn't predict anything that specific. Um, foretellings in Tolkien do tend to be vague but yet they also tend to predict to like foretell actual things right that is to say uh, like um, if they marry hope shall be born for our people well, it's a little unclear exactly what that means. It becomes clear later on, as is usually the case with these things, right? But at the time, that's not a, a completely transparent foretelling, right? But it does foretell something. Like, it says that a specific thing is going to happen, right? Um, if, so like, it would be a good thing to let these kids marry, or one kid and one not kid marry, right? Um, uh, these unequally aged people marry so, because then hope will be born for our people. Um, so it's as a as a guide to action it's relatively clear though its actual content is vague right the halfling shall stand forth Hrothgar great example that's a foretelling too right it happened right and when it did happen Boromir gets it right he's like ah yeah right the halfling sure there it is right um, Boromir gets it not real clear beforehand what that was pointing to right um, not by the hand of man shall he fall. Well, not real clear exactly what that means, but, you know, it is prophesying the death of the Witch King in such a way as both to boost his confidence while also prophesying his fall, right? So there we go. Um, anyway, like, those are all foretellings, right? Uh, Tolkien foretellings, and they do foretell specific things. This is, um, this is kind of a... I don't know. This is kind of a a, a, a minor league foretelling, right? Um, it's um, it's more of a vagueness. It's more of a, a vague sense that he has, right? He's like he starts off with a bad feeling about this, and he ends up with a bad feeling about Gandalf in this. That's it, right? If you pass the doors of Moria, beware. It's ominous. Like, I mean, it ranks high on the ominous foretelling meter, right? And also, Hrothgar, it's crystal clear in retrospect as well, right? As Aragorn himself is going to rather smugly point out after the fact, right? Um, it's a warning. He's delivering a warning. He's delivering a warning. If you pass the doors of Moria, beware. 
What I'm most interested in is what this means on the bigger picture. We talked last time, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk through the rest of the passage first. I still believe very strongly that Gandalf is following providence, that he is banking completely on Estelle, right? Gandalf has had the sense that going through Moria is what they should do. He's had that sense. And now it has been made crystal clear to him, right? Now, now there is no question in his mind that that's definitely what they should do because it was either this or the pass, not the pass, so it's this, right? Um, he has let that play out in a way which has confirmed what he felt was the case all along, right? Um, so, how does this affect that? How does this affect that? Is this... Is Aragorn saying... Going to Moria is a bad idea, Gandalf. For you. It's a bad idea. Does, does this foretelling suggest that Gandalf's wrong in his own conviction that going through Moria is the path that has been laid for them. Right? We've been kind of talking about, we're kind of using Sam's vocabulary in, in advance. Right? Gandalf seems convinced that their path is their path is laid this way. Does the foretelling suggest that it he's wrong? That it's not? That they shouldn't go? I don't think so. And I think that Aragorn's phrasing is an important indicator of that. Notice what Aragorn does not say. Aragorn does not say, And I say to you, do not pass the doors of Moria. Or even, like, pass the doors of Moria at your peril. Right? He doesn't... He doesn't... He doesn't suggest that they shouldn't go. He's not using this as... Now, he does, he does raise the question. There's a possibility that this final warning might change Gandalf's mind. He acknowledges that. If this last warning does not move you, right? I do feel I have to pass this along. I'm, 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 I'm picking up something here. But he doesn't phrase it as don't go to Moria. He says, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware. Um, I... Oh, Johannes, what a wonderful parallel. Johannes is remembering um, Halberd is going to have a foretelling in The Return of the King, right? Um, when he gets to the Paths of the Dead. Halberd is going to have a foretelling that his own death lies beyond the doors. But he goes anyway. Right? Um, and that's much more specific. Right? I agree with you, the general 
several of you are talking in this direction, and that's exactly the direction that I am thinking too. This warning doesn't seem to be, um, again, a warning against going. It is a premonition of what the cost of going will be. Providence has laid their path this way, but Providence also has in mind the death of Gandalf. In retrospect, remembering ahead, as we know, Gandalf the White is going to be kind of important for what's going to happen later on. If Gandalf does not die, then many things that should be shall not be. Right? Um, I certainly do not believe that the death of Gandalf in Moria um, spoilers is going to um, I, you know invalidates the choice. Right? Um, I don't think that that's the case. And I don't think that that's what Aragorn is suggesting here. Um, and I think it's why he phrases it this way. If you pass the doors of Moria, beware. And even his tentative, if this last warning does not move you. Notice he doesn't say, if this last warning doesn't convince you. He's not bringing it forward as an argument to convince him not to go to Moria. It is like what he's doing is... Um, it does seem like what he's doing is giving Gandalf an out. Like, I want you to make an informed decision here. I want you to know. I have a foretelling of danger to you personally. I have a foretelling. Um, I have, I, you know, I'm, I'm receiving a strong foreboding that significant consequences are going to fall upon you personally if we do this. That's not going to convince Gandalf that this is the wrong way to go, necessarily. But it could move him to be less willing, less eager to do it. And who knows? If he, if that is the case, I don't know. I, get, I guess Aragorn will, um, will go along. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Yes. So, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Matt, I hope you're not driven to any extreme, uh, uh, any extreme methods of getting rid of the interim title, um, <laughs> following in Kendall's footsteps. Um, yes, Bjorning, I agree. I agree that while Providence may be counting on Gandalf's enhancement, surely Gandalf and Aragorn cannot be, nor can us readers who've never read this before. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what we're given is a warning. And it's a personal warning. He emphasizes this. It's not about the ring, nor about us others, but of you. I foresee danger to you personally if you pass the doors of Moria. Not if we pass, if you pass the doors of Moria. Beware. Notice there is an out here. 
Gandalf could not come. Aragorn could lead them. I mean, you know, he's been there before. He could probably figure it out. Gandalf doesn't have to come. You know, no one swore any oath that they would come along. You know, Gandalf could say, well, you know, I can die. I am killable. And if I were to die, then I wouldn't be able to help out anymore. So maybe the practical thing to do would be for us to split up. Aragorn, you lead them off through Moria. I'll go around another way, right? Um, I'll see if, you know, I don't know, maybe I can find like a really fast horse, right? Who could take me through the gap of Rohan and slip past and whatever. Um, it's possible, right? It's possible. Yeah, I know, Josh, wouldn't Aragorn love that, right? Talk about, uh, uh, talk about your worst case outcomes for Aragorn, right? So, Aragorn, you and your PTSD are going to lead this party on your own. How about that? Um, but yeah, but 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 of course, Gandalf is going to make this decision because Emily, you're absolutely right. Saving his own skin wasn't what Gandalf was sent to Middle Earth to do. That's exactly right. Um, yes, Ilmenio, I totally agree. Um, I totally totally agree with you that um, if Gandalf changes his mind and there's not going to be any Gandalf 2.0. Not only because he's, you know, would he, like, not die, um, but he wouldn't have sacrificed. Would he even have been re-equipped to return as Gandalf the White? Had he not, you know, died the way that he did? Oh, just got something in my eye. Um, you know, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. So I agree. But, but, Elmanio, your question was, then what's the point of the warning, right? Um, what's the point of the warning? Um, preparation? I think, yeah, it's to provide free choice. Yes, yes. Um, Gandalf, it puts Gandalf in the position of making a choice, right? Emmanuel, there's a sense in which he doesn't have a choice. Doesn't have a choice in the sense of there's only one good choice, right? But that's often true. That doesn't make the choice not significant, right? It lays emphasis on Gandalf's choice. It also, I think, helps Gandalf. In my mind... We'll get the payoff for this. In no sense being coy about it, because you guys all know the passages really well. That moment when they discover what Durin's Bane is. Right. When they find out that it's a Balrog, and Gandalf says, What an evil, you know, and I am already weary. What an evil fortune. Right. That's the moment, I think. That's the that's the real like decision point for Gandalf, right? He's been prepared. Yes, Gildalowen, now I understand, right? Gandalf's gonna literally say, now I understand, right? And he means several things by that. But I think this is one of the things. 
that he means by that. Aragorn's foretelling here prepares Gandalf. When the situation comes upon him, he knows what he's supposed to do. Um, notice also, there's a little bit of good news here. Just as, um, you know, the, um, the prophecy about the death of the Witch King, about the, you know, cause of death of the Witch King, was bad news to King Aarnur, right? Um, that he shall not fall by the hand of man. Like, to uh, the man to whom the prophecy was delivered, that was, uh, that was bad news. You're not going to kill this guy, says Gorfindel to Aarnur. Um, but there's good news in it, isn't there? The good news is he's going to fall. He's going to fall by somebody's hand just not by the hand of man, right? Um, so too, Gandalf is being given an assurance here that I think is going to make his choice easier when he comes to make it. And that is, it is not of the ring nor of us others that I am thinking now, but of you. There is a sense, I think, in which Gandalf's interpretation of this... Um, uh, of this prophecy. Like how this becomes clear in retrospect to Gandalf is if I sacrifice myself here on this bridge, I will probably die, but the ring and the rest of the others will be safe. Um, he, that there's, and that may be a comforting thought when you're trying to solo a Balrog, right? Um, so I think the warning, the warning is what he gets. Beware. Beware. Not don't go, but beware. Beware. Um, go, if, if you go, go mindfully. Go knowing what you are doing. Go before you even step foot through the doors of Moria know that you are likely going toward, you're certainly going towards your own peril, perhaps even your own death. Be prepared to sacrifice yourself if that's what it takes. I mean, there, I, I'm not saying that all of those things are obviously implicit in what Aragorn is saying here, but I think those are the, those the, they're quickly going to kind of play out in that way. Walk into danger with your eyes wide open. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, so I do think... I do think that... It's funny, if you think about it. Some of the prophecies, some of the foretellings that are more specific, don't... Um, doesn't seem to be all that much point to them. That is, they themselves don't bring about anything. I'm thinking of like, Glorfindel and the Witch King, right? It's like, um, interesting factoid. He's not going to fall by the hands of man. I mean, maybe it has an effect of discouraging, temporarily, Aarnor, right? But that doesn't play out long term, right? So it doesn't have that benefit. 
What else is the point of it? Building the Witch King's confidence, perhaps? So building false confidence in the Witch King, perhaps that's the point of the prophecy? So that, you know, the Witch King is going to go full Macbeth on the battlefield? Um, and therefore, you know, enter, you know, open himself up to, uh, uh, you know, his tragical and ironical demise, right? Um, yeah, that's possible. It's possible. But but again, like, Eowyn didn't know it, right? Mary doesn't know it, right? So it's not like they were, you know, it gave them any tips or something like that, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Lupita, that's a really great way of saying this. Providence doesn't require him to die, but it's in the road Gandalf has chosen. So maybe Providence is reassuring him that his death will prove the instrument that will help bring down evil. I'm sure he sees it in that way in that moment. Again, like, it's not of us others, nor of the ring, but of you, right? If I put myself into danger on this bridge, then I am confident that the ring and the others will be safe. Yeah. The maker of Mary's blade might have known it. Well, I don't think he did know it. Did he? Nah. I think he predated it. Think he did? Yeah, because it was the, it was given, it was delivered in the last battle with the fall of the Witch King. So, pretty sure that that smith predated it. But, um, uh, anyway, um, Bjorning. Okay, I, great question. The self-sacrifice of Gandalf is pure Estelle. But it is still, but is it still Estel if the prophecy reassures him? Um, let me answer your question with a question, Bjorning. Why are prophecies given? Why do foretellings happen? I mean, there's an agency behind them. Some other power is at work, right, when prophecies are being delivered. This is most transparently visible in Faramir and Boromir's dream, right? I mean, that didn't come from nowhere, right? They were sent a dream. Somebody sent it, right? But presumably, the presentiment that Aragorn has right here that he's articulating um, was sent to him as well. Why? And again, I think, I do not believe, Bjorning, that it impinges upon his Estel. Um, don't worry, you don't have to trust because I'm going to give you a hint that it's going to turn out well. Because I don't think that that's what's going on there. Right? I think that what's going on there is that he is being reassured. I think there is a an almost perverse way in which this warning is a reassurance to Gandalf that this is the right way to go. And that him 
standing on the bridge in front of the Balrog is the right thing to do. That's a hard choice. And that choice, he gets a little help with that choice. Not help to, like, justify it, right? It's not a promise. I mean, there's no promise here. There's not like, and I say to you, if you fall in Moria, don't worry, because you're going to come back totally, like, upgraded, and it's going to be boss, right? That is not the prediction, right? Um, he's not given any assurance of that kind, that things will turn out well for him. So this is not like a conversion of Estelle to Omdir. This is not even like it's totally going to work out long term if you do it this way. But rather, yeah, this is the route. This is the route that you should go. Um, yeah. Um, do you, um, yeah, be not afraid is the vibe, Matt. I agree. I agree. Be not afraid. Beware. Beware is the command, right? But, um, to be informed or to get a hint, really, of the choice that's going to lie in front of you is not the same thing as getting a cheat code to avoid the choice or even changing the terms of the choice. He still... Um, even if when Gandalf steps on the bridge, he is holding on to, Gan to Aragorn's prophecy and it's giving him some reassurance that if he sacrifices his life, Frodo, the ring, and the rest of the company will not die here in Moria. Um, if, um, if he, even if he were to be taking some reassurance from that, what does that have to do with any, like, long-term Umdir? Right? Remember that there's a there's a kind of um, there's a kind of parallel between the choice that he is going to make on the bridge and the choice that Aragorn is going to make at Parth Galen. That is Aragorn's choice to not follow Frodo. Um, with the possible exception of Frodo, there's almost nobody in the party other than Gandalf, more valuable to the cause against Sauron. Aragorn is, a, you know, a strong second, but still second, right? Um, that'd be an interesting ranking to rank the whole company that way. But in any case, certainly Gandalf is not the most expendable member of the party, right? Um... For him to choose to sacrifice himself from a purely Omdir perspective, it's got to decrease their... I mean, like, Gandalf... If one of the party is going to die in, in Moria, and it's not Frodo, then surely their odds of success take the biggest hit if it's Gandalf. Right? Um, I mean, again, just thinking about it sort of pragmatically... Um, 
so again, long term, his self-sacrifice is not going to be an, an, an uh, it doesn't change. Bjorning, I'm still addressing your question. It doesn't change. It doesn't convert his, it doesn't make it into an Omdir play, right? It, it just doesn't. He's still hoping. He's still trusting that this is right. Um, he's been warned that this was on the table, and now he's going to do it. Um, but, um, yeah. Freebird says, wasn't he the only one equipped to meet the Balrog threat? Yes. But, um... Is that the only way they could possibly have escaped? I don't know. Boromir was willing to charge out and fight it. That sounds like a good plan B. Hey, Boromir, sick it. Get him. Get him, Boromir. Right? Now everybody else, run like crazy. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, we have no reason to think. There's no, we, we, we have no reason to think that... Um, the Balrog's gonna gonna leave. He he never has, right? He's been he's been up and about for quite some time now, right? He's never come out. So they just gotta make the door. So all they need really is somebody else to slow the Balrog down for long enough that uh, they can make the door, and they'll probably be fine. Probably, right? Um. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know we're jumping way ahead to Juice Man, but all of these things are relevant. I mean, obviously, I'm um, I am breaking one of my well, it's not a rule so much as a guideline. Um, but this seemed warranted. Um, I don't I don't apologize. I don't apologize because I wanted to think here about the significance of this foretelling and addressing some of the questions that you guys have been raising. These are, I think, the very good questions to be asking about this. What was the point of this warning? Um, why, why, does, why does he have this foreboding? Um, I think that these are important questions. Um... But let us return for a moment to our first to a first time reader perspective from this vantage point in the text. What are we getting? What we're getting is a warning, a like mystically reinforced warning. Aragorn utters a portentous warning to Gandalf. This tells us that Gandalf's in trouble, but this also it serves immediately to recontextualize everything that Gandalf does here now, right? Gandalf is stubbornly insisting that they go to Moria, even though Aragorn clearly doesn't want to go. Uh, I mean, Gimli's down. But with the exception of Gimli, Mr. Bad Data Point in this discussion, nobody else wants to go to Moria, right? Um, Aragorn is full of dread and making gloomy predictions. I'm not counting this one. I mean, before he was saying gloomy things. He was being very grim in any case. Um, Frodo didn't want to go. Sam doesn't want to go. 
Sam has a bad feeling about it. Pippin doesn't want to go. Legolas doesn't wish to go. Boromir is totally against it, right? But here's Gandalf insisting that they go. Now, after this prediction, when Gandalf continues to lead them into Moria, we know that he is doing it in defiance of a prophecy uh, like against him personally, you know? Um, his own safety uh, has been... Like it has been predicted that his own safety will be compromised. Um, and yet he's going to go anyway, right? Um, this is not just like um, Gandalf's uh, sort of bad idea, right? Um, Aragorn said we should go over the mountains, and it almost... And he characterized that as him leading them almost to disaster. Gandalf leading them into Moria is automatically different now. Aragorn, again, his prophecy practically says, we're going to be fine. Right? He doesn't say, you're leading us to disaster just like I almost did. And I think everybody's going to look back and regret this. Right? But he is saying, Gandalf, you might regret this, right? This is going to turn out badly for you. So when Gandalf continues to make that choice, it's recontextualized for us. Um, Lupita, exactly. It does, well, it certainly undermines Boromir's arguments if Gandalf is willing to go even at his own peril. That's exactly, that's exactly it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Yes, I agree, Bjorning. Both the choice that he's going to make in Moria and the choice that he's making right now to continue. And that brings me back to the other questions, Bjorning, that you and um, uh, darn it, it was ages ago and I'm not going to be... Was it Ilmarian? What was your... Our new person who is here tonight for the first time. We're saying, and that is like to, you're both commenting about the total non-reaction to this prophecy, right? We never hear what Gandalf doesn't say anything in response to Ilmanio. Thank you. Um, Ilmanio uh, was saying, like, what does Gandalf say? We don't. We don't know what Gandalf says. Gandalf never replies to this. Um, the next thing that Gandalf is going notice, he doesn't even talk in the entire second half of this slide doesn't respond to Boromir either. He sits back and lets the conversation happen and lets Frodo speak. And Frodo's move to say, I think we should wait till after we've slept. And he still doesn't contribute anything. All fall into silent thought after Frodo speaks. And they're listening to the howling and wailing of the wind. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um,
we know we don't know we don't know how gandalf responds um he is um he's going to say something fairly decisive fairly soon right um but um but yeah yeah <laughs> lupus interruptus something like that yep yeah um yes nobody responds so i think i think that boromir does not track with aragorn i mean I don't think that er that Boromir is paying very close attention to what Aragorn just said. I think it's even possible that Aragorn is not like standing up on a rock and declaiming this to the whole company. I mean, they're all talking here. Um it's not that I think he's just saying this in an aside and only Gandalf can hear him. But Boromir doesn't address it, right? He doesn't, he doesn't talk about it. Um, I don't think he, what, much, much notices? It doesn't seem to register with him. Um, I will not go. I think that he is thinking so much about not going and why he won't go for all of the good reasons that we talked about last time. Um, but yeah, the fact, Bjorning, as you say, that literally nobody says anything about it makes me wonder. Makes me wonder if it was really said, like, if everyone is staring at Aragorn while he's saying this. Do we get, I will, said Aragorn heavily, and then we have him continuing to talk to Gandalf while others are lost in their own thoughts and not everybody around the circle hears him? Frodo does, apparently, right? Because it's registered here, but that doesn't necessarily mean everybody did. Um, Stunduck, that's exactly the impression that I have. That's exactly the impression that I have. That Boromir has been preparing his own reaction. Like he's he's we talked about how 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 clever, how thoughtful and clever Boromir's response is. Um I think he's rehearsing his own speech in his head. He hears Aragorn vo vote yes, right? And then kind of uh stops tracking at that point. That's exactly what it sounds like to me. Um that's exactly what it sounds like to me. So how many of them hear it? Is it just Boromir who's not paying attention? I don't know. Um, but but it doesn't but it doesn't come up for any discussion. Um, yeah. Matt, I do agree that Boromir knows the one important vote lies with Frodo, not only because he's the leader of the Hobbit bl voting block, but um, but obviously because he's the ring bearer. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, if Frodo does have sharpened hearing, uh, Cal Elros, it's true. 
Um, but I, I think also simply Frodo is very in tune to this whole Aragorn-Gandalf dynamic. He's been tracking it ever since he overheard that debate, right? He's been paying careful attention to what Aragorn and Gandalf say to each other about this. So even if that were said in a quieter aside, um, even if that were said in a quieter aside, which it could easily do, that whole, everything he says after I will could easily fit. Like you could easily imagine him saying I will to the group. And then kind of turning to Gandalf and saying, you followed my lead, almost a disaster in the snow, and have said no word of blame. I will follow your lead now if this last warning does not move you. Right? Um, he could totally be saying that in an aside to Gandalf. Again, we're not told that he does, but it could totally, it could totally, um, uh, could totally be. Um, you could argue that some of the point of this prophecy is to prepare the rest of the company for Gandalf's death. Um, you could. Yep, you could. Um, yes. Um, I don't think it's necessary to read it like that. Like an aside, I mean. But whether he says it out loud and everyone and there's like everyone is like hushed and awkward and has no idea what to say as a result, right? That's possible, right? It's possible. Um, in any case, Boromir... I think I don't think that Boromir really heard it. I really don't. I think exactly as Stunduck was saying, he's he's planning his own next speech, and as soon as he hears Aragorn say "I will," he tunes out uh, for the rest of his for the rest of his thing. Um, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see, I'm just looking back at Boromir's statement and trying to see if there's, does it make sense? Is there any way in which Boromir's statement could be an explicit response to, like, could reflect comprehension of and response to in some sense or other? Um, Aragorn's words, and it doesn't seem right. The only way in which I can twist it that way is hearing his I will not go as responding to if you pass the doors of Mer Moria, Gandalf, beware. And Boromir saying, I will not go. Like, I'm not going to pass the doors of Moria, even if he will, right? Um, but his I will not go correspond so directly to the I will, I will before that um, that's not even really necessary in any way. Um, but um, yeah. Cal Elros. I love that theory. Oh man. Yeah. So Cal Elros's theory hang on. Okay. Right. All right. We'll, we'll end with this. Cal Elros's theory is that part of that paragraph is an insertion of Findigil. Or I would say probably not an insertion, but a, um, 
an emendation, right? That um, Aragorn might have spoken more simply in the moment, right? I will follow your lead now if this last warning does not move you. And then he probably said, like, you know, beware or whatever, right? Anyway, Frodo remembers him saying something. And then Findigil, later on when Findigil is copying this, is like, no, 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 no. This is a big moment. King Alessar just made a prophecy for crying out loud. We can do better than that, right? Let's, um, let's get a nice prophetic cadence going on. Let's make this into an oration worthy of King Alessar, right? It is not of the ring nor of us others that I am thinking now, but of you, Gandalf. And I say to you, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware. Right. Probably not his actual words at the time, but man, like, that's the... So, Findigil, King's writers, like, that is how kings make prophecies. Mic drop. Right. Um, I, I, I think that's fun. I think that's fun. Um, I have to admit, I don't think that the mere register, like the the that that the mere presence of that elevated register in um, Aragorn's words to me proves that. Um, I uh, I think I agree with. Um, uh, who was saying this before? Um, Jackie, yeah, was saying that he does kind of also, he, he does kind of talk like this, too. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, he does. Like, do I consider it difficult to imagine that Aragorn, in a moment of spontaneous prophecy, could elevate his diction in this way? Um, and go into prophecy mode? No, I don't find that unlikely in any way. So I certainly don't think that this is a, a, a sort of necessary emendation or that this, you know, seems like it obviously must be an emendation or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, Abord says this happens when you grow up with bedtime stories in Rivendell. Very possible. Very possible. Um, but, um, but yeah, anyway... So I, um, uh, but it's a fun idea. Um, I, uh, I can see the argument. I can see the argument. Um, I can see the argument. Um, but anyway, but I think that's a fun idea. Okay. Um, let's um, yeah I would small footnote there Rothgar and Sphinx are having a little exchange about um, Rothgar was suggesting sometimes when somebody speaks prophecy prophecy, it's not them speaking um, and Sphinx was just asking do we know that that's true in Tolkien um, yeah that's uncertain I think I think it's uncertain um, we don't I don't think we know enough about what this comes from right about where this um, about where this is you know um, 
uh, like where prophecy comes from, what what how this works, um, why this happens, what is the mechanism for this happening? I think it's a little vague. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, Josh, I'm not com campaigning to restore Boromir's reputation. Um, I, I just think that's the natural outcome, you know? I, it's, not, it's not a plan on my part. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, let us stop there. We will move on to Aragorn's next alarming statement, uh, which is the statement in which he's going to uh, make an observation about the present with significant implications for their immediate future. Right. Um, but um, but we'll uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, OK, hang on a second. I just had one one last quick thought that just hit me that I want to get out because I'll forget it. If there is one moment in Tolkien's writing that where I think we see most directly where predictions come from, it's in the Aule and Yavanna chapter of the Silmarillion. When um, Yavanna says, hey, um, I would like to have some of the trees be able to, like, talk and, like, defend the rest of the plants. And Manway says, that is a strange thought. And Yavanna says, but it's in the song. Right? Um, that moment when Yavanna says, Wait, wait, wait. It was in the music. Remember? That's, um, uh, that is the moment that strikes me as perhaps, like, if I had to go to anyone to provide a kind of a key to explain how prediction works, it would be that one. Um, and with mortals who weren't, you know, there, at the music of the Aino, right? It's, it's a little different when it's Yovana and you know Manway talking to each other, um, but that seems to me to be the kind of the kind of thing, right? Like at particular moments, you perceive something, or you pick up a piece of the music, and you know that this thing is true, right? Um, Something comes in, you know, you've got your, like, antenna, right? Um, and this one thing comes in uh, that you're picking up the music and seeing sometimes a glimpse of the present, sometimes a glimpse of the future, sometimes this sort of sense of resonance, right? Um, that, this is, that this is right, that this is what should be. Or that if Gandalf passes the doors of Moria, he better look out because he's got a very specific and focused bad feeling about this in Gandalf's direction, right? If Gandalf goes into Moria, something bad is going to happen to him, right? Um, that would be a thing that he, Aragorn, is picking up from the music, right? Um, something like that, I, I think. Um, but, um, 
Yeah. But I'm not sure. I mean, um, uh, but as I say, that's the clearest. It's the clearest I've got also. Um, but now I'm really stopping. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. Uh, should be around again next week. Don't forget, Thursday night, 8 p.m., I'm going to do my Signum University summer update um, and talk about big stuff happening at Signum here. So I hope you'll join me Thursday at 8. Uh, in the meantime, it's field trip time. Um, also, um, another announcement I wanted to make, which I almost forgot to do completely. Um, this week is uh, tomorrow, indeed is probably going to be the final session of The War of the Jewels, our discussion of Volume 11 of the History of Middle-earth. going to finish that up next, tomorrow night. Um, and I, uh, uh, and we're going to, our next book is going to be Till We Have Faces. Um, and we're going to start to, it's going to be a little while. Um, I was going to start in, um, uh, I was going to, I was going to wait a couple weeks and then start. But I can't start on the 13th of September because that would be a very bad night to start, as I will explain on Thursday night. Um, but um, uh, but we will um, uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. So it, it, it'll be it'll be the 20th. So on the 20th of September, I'm going to start talking about Till We Have Faces uh, by C.S. Lewis, the greatest work of fiction, bar none and without question or challenge. Um, the greatest work of fiction that C.S. Lewis ever wrote. Um, so that will be starting on Wednesday the 20th. Um, all right. Yes, Till We Have Faces has been, a, uh, has been a bridesmaid, but never a bride in the voting for uh, 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 Mythgard Academy for a long, long time. Um, anyway, okay. Thanks, everybody. Um, uh, field trip time. Totally, actually, in truth, field trip time now. That's what they all say, Corey. It is, totally. Do they all say that? Did everybody no. say that? No? Not really? No. Oh, well. Um, okay, sorry, I'm going to have to probably... Do the thing. Do the thing. Anyway, it's true as far as this night. Uh, the Lori is out this evening. Hopefully yes. she'll be back next week. Hopefully she's watching and chilling uh and resting comfortably yes comfy chair agreed so if you want to join the raid please send kiriana a tell in game i try yep. to get everybody and some folks declined yes okay mudmore we are going to tharbad we are going to tharbad Oh no, Arnas, you had a lunch meeting today? I'm so sorry. Wednesday lunch meetings in Australia shouldn't be allowed. Oh no, Doer Stroke, I think you're thinking of something else. Um, I think you're thinking of. Uh, oh, right, sorry, that hideous strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, the Williams thing. Um, but. Um, uh, no, Toya uh, uh, Faces is just, it's so brilliant. It's just amazing.
Um, yeah, just incredible stuff. Okay, uh-oh. Hang on. Put you in the raid as soon as you load in. There we go, okay. I think I was... There he is. ...having trouble there for a moment. All right, back down to, what is it called? Stone Crop Encampment. That's it. Also confusingly known as Sedgemead for some reason. Sedgemead is like the area where it is, but the I'm just looking at like what my milestone actually says. Stone. Oh yeah, Arnold missed class last week for a very important reason. Oh yeah. Uh -ho -ho. Oh, we have another. Another exploring the Lord of the Rings, baby. Congratulations. Yeah, Another baby who's going to be like approaching retirement age by the time we finish. But uh, yeah. Oh, what a wonderful name as well. Lovely. Okay. How do you pronounce it, Arnold? Neum? Is that it? Um, okay. All right. First thing to do is to look around right here. Where are we? what's going on actually let's go outside oh it's neve gotcha right i Gaelic would not spell. have guessed that never friend well, of it's, and Larry. yeah it's gaelic so you're not supposed to guess if you're an english speaker um okay so this Looks is like a the, summer house Greenway. We've just come through Tharbad. There's the road that goes off towards Karnost. Yep, Karnost. Making sure I got the name right. Up towards Karnost. We've got this lovely lake. There are the gates to Tharbad itself. Tharbad is on both sides of the river. Um, but this is this is a self-contained thing, right? It feels like it. Maybe some noble's own personal property. I probably. I mean, that seems probable. It's a little odd because it's so very close to the city. I mean, it's right outside the city. I'm just, I'm kind of looking around trying to get this. And notice how the the city itself is built on those nice rocky cliffs and stuff. So this is a very defensible city from every direction, which is nice. Mm -hmm. This is on a hill kind of overlooking it. You've got a great view of the city from here. 
uh, you know, you could uh, you could commute from here, right? It's still a little bit strange to be like, I'm going to move out. See, like, see that one up there on top of the mm -hmm. hill to the north? See, that's a place I would expect somebody to say, I'm moving out of the city. I want more space, right? I want to have, like, my own estates and everything, right? Um, and I'm going to be, you know, on this nice, uh, you know, rounded knoll looking out over everything, right? Like, that's cool. But this Maybe thing this is... Was yeah. For a functionary who needed to be closer to the city for uh, work purposes and wasn't quite rich enough to get out to the boondocks? <laughs> it's possible. Could this have been some kind of uh, uh, sort of functional building? Um, well, Amazon thinks maybe a school school guardhouse yeah Ilmania it's 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 not it's almost close enough to the gates to suggest something like that this big fountain suggests it was rather peaceful also there aren't walls it's not really defensible it's more house than like keep right yeah there's definitely not much by the way of defenses you know there's no um no. little arrow slits in the in the walls or anything it's all pretty functional and this yeah. approach yeah this is the original approach because we've got the 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 stones mm -hmm. so this is the original driveway right comes up and there would have been a gate here as we can tell from that little outcropping yeah, up there a, little okay, archway a nice here into a big old paved courtyard with a fountain. This would have been lovely. But again, no no gate to speak of. Like you can tell from the bottom of this plinth that there wasn't like a portcullis or a, uh, even no a door. gateway. This is just an archway. Yeah, I mean, especially if you look at the inside of the, the column with the star symbol there. Yes. There, there's definitely not been a gate here. Exactly, exactly. So, so you would have come through an open archway into this courtyard with a lovely fountain and then there are two parts of the structure two wings three there's a this room over here which there wasn't too much to this this was probably like the stable sort of storage area or whatever yeah, there's definitely and a lot of wood here yeah yeah and then there was this wing over here, which is a little bit more significant. And then there's this one here, which looks like the main one. We can't really that see any sense. doorways here, can we? Not really. It looks like uh, if there was a doorway, it might have been here. Yeah, I think it must have been here. And then some of that other stuff fell down into it. Okay, so let's say it's here. And then... Looking around. Yeah. This could have been a hall, could have been a. Maybe a hall over there and. Um, like a. You know, rooms over here. Some like. Yeah. It doesn't seem like much more than a. Hmm. 
I have an idea. What if... So Tharbad is, if we look at the big, big picture. Um, so I'm looking at the whole map of Middle-earth, the, the widest angle map that Lotro has here. We can see the river with Tharbad in it right here. Right, this is uh, the, you know, the, the, you know, the Guathlo is a major river down here. Um, so the road goes from Fornost up here all the way down to Minas Tirith down here. So Tharbad isn't exactly the middle, but really halfway between, you know, Minas Tirith and Osgiliath um, and Fornost. I mean, halfway is going to be like somewhere in Enidwife, basically. And there was never anything in the middle of Enidwife. Um, so Tharbad, Tharbad is a pretty, is pretty close to, um, pretty close to halfway. Like it's a pretty good halfway point. It's a little more than halfway. It's about 60-40, something like that. But it's pretty close to halfway, right? So therefore, I'm thinking, Back in the day when you've got a pretty major city here, if there were going to be people traveling all the way, so on the one hand, okay, and let's think carefully also about who built this. So anyway, so I'm thinking about like, you're probably not usually, if you did want to send messages from like Fornost all the way down to Minas Tirith, you probably just wouldn't send like one dude who would ride the whole way down, right? You would probably yeah. send that down in stages. And Tharbad would be a very good place to, you know, kind of um, divide that up. Um, Are you conjecturing something like the Pony Express from, you know, well, American history? Not exactly like the Pony. Well, I mean, sort of like. Just more like taking stages of horse. Like that... that um, I'm just thinking that it could well have been in a time when there was communication between the North Kingdom and the South Kingdom, Tharbad could well have been a place where um, that made a little industry out of that um, out of that communication, right? Like you basically your, a kingdom yeah. version of Waymeet. Yeah, you send your exactly. You send your message. Uh, from Fornost, you, know, you send your messenger down to Tharbad, and from Tharbad we'll see that it gets to Gondor, and likewise, right, up to Fornost from Gondor. Um, but but we have to remember the context here. This, I think, clearly looks like a second era building. That is to say, I think that most of Tharbad looks second era. I think that the heyday of this city was in the time of Cardolan, which is really interesting. In the time of Cardolan, rather than Arnor as a whole, is what I mean. Um, hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you're right, Dolor Stroke. It could be much worse. There could be weird asymmetrical coffins in here. 
and then we'd be in some serious trouble. Notice, by the way, also, look at that. They built a modern stone wall over here. Leading into it. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's really far from Fornos to Tharvad. That's true. <laughs> no, I doubt this was the asymmetrical coffin maker shop. Uh, there would be evidence of diseased minds if that were the case. Um, so I'm trying to get a trying to get a feel for the northern face of Tharbad here. One of the, here's one of the things I'm trying to figure out. One of the main things I'm thinking about is I'm trying to get an, some kind of inkling of what this city hang on a second let's um let's go in for a minute let's go in what I'm trying to get a sense of is what direction it's facing if you see what I mean. Um, it's facing the north... west-northwest? Right. Yeah, no, I mean the whole city. It's on both sides of the river, right? Um, so... Here's here's why I was... Again, uh, the question I'm trying to ask, I'm not going to go up on the bridge this time, because we can just... We have to swim across, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Um, okay. The question I'm trying to answer is Is Tharbad primarily a first or second era city? Was it built by the Arnorians and Gondorians, frankly? Who owned it, and what was its purpose? Is the city that we're seeing the remnants of the old Tharbad, of the First Age Tharbad? Sorry, early in the Third Age Tharbad. Not First Age. There probably was a Second Age Tharbad. Yes, is there any evidence of the Second Age Tharbad would be something that I would be very keen to see, because the Numenorians probably built something here way back in the day. But that's not my question. My question is, this big city that we're seeing, was it built by Arnor or Cardolan? It could have been redone by Cardolan for sure. But I'm trying to now I'm trying to figure out how to get through. Darn it, I wish we had a detailed map. Can I lodge a complaint about not getting a detailed Tharbad map? Oh, you can I put feel, a ticket in on um, the forums. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll put a ticket in. That would be an awesome ticket. Or I'll just go into Slack and say, hey, Core, Corey says yeah, he Yeah, please. Can I get that. a Tharbad map? Is that too much to ask? It's okay. I don't want to be a whiner. Um, okay. Well, there's a lot of city over here. 
there's a lot of city over here. The reason I wanted to come over here, or rather, the reason that I had some hope that coming over here would help answer my question is I wanted to see both the extent and the sort of general substance, if you see what I mean, mm -hmm. of Tharbad from over here. And we've officially crossed into Swanfleet. We have. Oh, and back into Condo. And we're right on the border here. Um, okay, and the over here... Yeah, this Tharbad map is even... I guess it's not less helpful. Um, but it's not very helpful. Alright, let me go up on the hill and see if I can look at... I want to look at the southern half of Tharbad. Um, yeah, there was a lot of walls in there, Nancy. Um, okay, alright. Hmm. It's definitely bigger than I pictured it being in my head from having, you know, you know, learned it. Boromir lost his horse at Tharbad, and you know it was yeah. ruins, but we didn't really know much about it. So this is a lot more substantial than I was expecting. Yeah, this is huge. Even for a way meet. Yeah. It's enormous. This is an enormous city. Um, this is an enormous city. It, I think, it must, I think it must have been originally built in the first age. No, I keep saying that. In the first era. In the Arnorian era. And I say that because Cardolan, as a separate kingdom, is not really in the way of um, of caring about the South Bank. Ah, and here's the road. And here's the end of the paving stones that we see in the south. The big paving stones that go all the way through Enidwyth and Dunland and down they to the gap. Here. Yeah. This is the very end of them. You know what that so says? This is the border. This is the end of the Gondorian road, right? It's like the Gondorians got here and they're like, that's it. Arnor, it's all you from here. And that was at the gates. This is the very entrance of the city. So Tharbad was definitively... Tharbad was definitively an Arnorian city. Not a joint city. It could have been, right? It could have been partly Gondorian, partly Arnorian, right on the border between the two of them. But clearly not. Clearly, yeah, based definitely... on... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, based on the evidence of the road here, this is yeah, all there's Arnor. no paving stones back up to the bridge. So, yeah, no. it's like where city maintenance ends and the, the county takes over the paving of the roads. Exactly. The interstate ends here and the county road begins. Or again, like it's the end of the Gondorian jurisdiction and the beginning of the Arnorian jurisdiction. Clear a de as clear a demarcation as you could hope to find. Now this whole area over here, again, if the structures that had been built here had been built by Cardolan 
the Splinter Kingdom during the Civil War, they never would have built all this junk. Like, no, they definitely would have. From a Cardolingian standpoint, Tharbad is the bottom. Like, it's furthest away from everything. Right? Karanast matters. Um, Dal Arnil matters. Even Gairvarad, which is in the middle of nowhere, would matter more than Tharbad. I mean, Cardolin was long past caring about Gondor. Necessarily. So I, I would think that the second era of Cardolin would be mostly focused on the North Bank. Now, we know that we have every reason to believe that the style of construction that we're seeing is mostly Cardolingian. As, for instance, the tower that's right there. But as we've seen many times, the Cardolingians took over old Arnorian buildings and often redecorated them. And I think they must have done the same here in Tharbad. Hmm. Okay. Mm, definitely an interesting cartouche down here on the wall. And the metal to the right and the left of it, mainly to the right, has a series of heads going up the column. Wait, what? Look over here. The, this metal. Oh. Yeah. It's like this. There's. It looks like some dude with a crown. They're all like, and then they're busts. You know, yeah, like little reliefs of like at least three kings. And an eye. There's an Very eye on interesting top. Interesting. Yeah. Or could it be like a flower, like a rose or something? It's possible. And of course, the cartouche with the. The Numenasian tower with the four prongs at the top. Yeah. And the upward pointing star. And the upward pointing star. Huh. Well, I'm not surprised that if, you know, somebody took this over later that they didn't, like, deface that in some fashion. Or chuck a few rocks at it until it no longer resembles what it looks like now. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy. <laughs> I thought there was a really interesting statue over here, and then I realized it was just the bear. Um, well, bears can be interesting statues if they want to be. Well, a statue of a bear would be interesting. Um... It's okay, Rothgar. You're not in the way. <laughs> I just mistook you for scenery. That's all. That's all. That's, that's all I'm saying. Um, huh. Okay. So, as we continue to explore Tharbad, because there's a lot left to say. I'm just running madly around trying to get the general lay of the land. As we... As we continue to explore around, we'll try to get a sense of this city as it was laid out. I'm sure it had to have been. I mean, we know it had to have been in the first era, like very early on mm -hmm. in the Arnorian and Gondorian thing because of this road. Right. right. I mean, the fact that the road ends right at this gap in these walls 
shows that these walls were built way back when the, you know, road to Gondor was first being built. I don't know where the stone came from. It's not like the local Cardolan stone. It's not red for the most part. There's some no, that I, is. I mean, it's clearly the later construction. brought it up. Possibly. Though I do I wonder think... about these piles across the river on both sides. They, they, if you look at the mini-map while you're swimming across, they're clearly like they're secondary bridges of some kind. But the actual piles, um, the actual columns are rounded, not like mm -hmm. uh, these more square-shaped columns of everywhere else. Right. Right. Could that Ooh, even be Hothgar, like a... You're right. There's no ruin. There's no matching ruin just outside the city over here. So whatever they were doing up there in the north, they didn't do it again in the south. But could they, Hrothgar, on account of we're now standing in Gondorian territory? Okay. That gives me an idea. Uh-oh. Ready for my theory? The Go building we came out of, the building the milestone is in, just north of town. Tax collector station. It's a toll Ooh. booth. They thought it was tacky to put it up right here. So like, hi, welcome to Arnor, pay your toll. Right? So instead, they're like, hi, welcome to Arnor. Uh, come into Tharbad. You're all welcome and everything. But if you want to travel up into Arnor, yeah, you're totally paying a tax. Customs. Exactly, Stunduck. Tharbad was a duty-free zone. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, but yes, if you want to actually... Just like if you're a merchant coming from Gondor and you want to sell your wares outside the duty-free zone here in Tharbad... If you want to go all the way up to Fornost and, you know, um, Anuminous and everywhere else, then, you know, you gotta, you've got to pay. So is a customs house. Customs house. Yep. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And, and Arnorian merchants, too. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to suggest that they would have uh, um, not, um, not allowed that. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah, I think so. Customs house. That's my theory. Nice customs house. Nice fountain and everything. But yep, customs house makes perfect sense in the context of how close it is to the city, but it's outside the city, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. There we go. All right, I, we should run. Um, it's getting late. Thanks everybody for joining us. We, we've got we've got a got a bit of the lay of the land here in Tharbad. We'll do some more detailed investigations next time. Uh, see what other things we can figure out. And um, uh, in the meantime, have a great week. See you guys on Thursday night. And uh, I will will uh, be back next week. Thanks everybody. Thanks thanks Druid's Fire for stepping in. Sure, no problem. Have a good night, everybody. Be good. Good night. See you guys next week.